Hey, you made it to church today. We're so glad that you're here. Can we welcome everybody who's with us online as well? Uh, Thanks for being with us. Uh, If you're on Facebook Live, um, if you're part of uh, our community and you're a Facebooker, we'd love for you to share this post on Facebook. Just a great way for uh, people to check out church from a distance. Maybe your friends are out of town, uh, or maybe somebody's considered uh, going to church and maybe hasn't gotten to the point where they're ready to walk into this place. And so uh, also, by the way, just kind of squeeze in too if you see people looking for seats. Um, If you haven't noticed, we're running out of room at 11 a.m., which was a great opportunity for me to encourage you to wake up up earlier. Um, So we have a service at 9 a.m. and then on Wednesdays as well um, at 7 o'clock. And if you're new here and you're wondering what the Wednesday thing is about, um, it's the same service. Everything's exactly the same. It's just on a Wednesday night. And I'll be honest, those are my people. Because if it were me um, and I wasn't preaching, man, I'd just go to church on Wednesday and that'd be my crowd. Because I just, I think church is right at night. It's meant to be in the evenings. Um, Especially, I'm just not a morning person. And so anyway, but we're glad that you're here. If you're new uh, to ACF, we do want to say welcome home, and and, uh, our prayer is that you would find a family here, a community here, a great place to ask questions, wrestle with your your faith and your doubts and your experiences, and we hope that we can be that that community for you. Um, We are in a series called Cherry Bomb, and this is a series about leadership and about how leadership, when, when we lead well, it, there's an explosive impact that we can have. Uh, some, some small decisions that we make throughout our week and throughout our days can actually make an exponential impact on our lives and the lives of people around us. And so we've been studying the life of Jesus, the way he led, and the way he taught us to lead. And I really believe that we have some things to learn from him as, as we look back and we go, man, this man lived 2,000 years ago. And he, he, he only lived for 33 years on this, this earth, and then he had a three-year ministry. And yet his leadership is still making an impact today, which I think for anybody in this room, if you're not a Christian, you just were invited by a friend, and maybe you're not so sure what you think about this stuff, to look at the life of Jesus does make sense. It, it makes sense that we would go, man, there is something for us to learn from this man and the way that he lived and the way that he taught, because uh, his impact is still affecting us here uh, today. And so that's kind of the journey that we're on, is talking about Jesus. He came and he served the world. And, and by serving the world, I think he made this, this impact that we're still experiencing. And I really think that that's what the church needs today. Um, I really think that a church that serves is a church that um, comes off of the margins of society and ends up right in the center of the community because we serve. And I honestly believe that for ACF, that's what we're about. Uh, that's what we believe. And, and, and I, I really believe that when people think of our church, they do think of a serving church. They think of a, a community of people who are here for their city. And I love that. And I, I just, I want to see that accelerate. I want to see us do that personally in some new and deeper ways. And I really think that in the end, we will be uh, happier. We will have more joy and more peace in our lives as we serve others. And many people do serve. Uh, many of you uh, are in ministries that are part of ACF. You serve out in the community. Uh, you see people with the Love All, Serve All shirts that are on uh, this morning. And, and over the past months, we've actually had a bunch of people step into new leadership positions. And people say, hey, I, I know I'm a volunteer here, uh, but I want to actually operate more like a staff member. Um, I, I'd love to, to be here more hours. And if you have a need, like on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning, that you'd call me first. Uh, and so we kind of came up with this crazy idea, uh, this experiment that we're calling volunteer staff which is basically people who are becoming staff and we're not paying them. So um, it's a great idea. You're like, woo, yeah, that's awesome. And, and uh, so if you're part of our volunteer staff team, can you come up here and uh, come on stage? Yeah, you can give them a hand. It's awesome. 
so as they come up, what you need to know about these people is these are some of our uh, most committed, most bought in, uh, most talented leaders in, in the church. And as the needs for our church have grown, we've realized we just want to continue to empower new leadership, that people would step into their calling and their gifting as a church, and that we keep giving them opportunities to do that. And so uh, these people um, have committed to the next six months basically operating as staff members at ACF Church. Uh, they've got full-time jobs and, you know, their own responsibilities, but they've said, you know, we want to be here and be around and be available uh, for ministry. So I, I thought it'd be great that you knew who they are, uh, especially if you get a phone call from them or you see them serving or leading. And so you guys are all like hiding in the shadows. Come forward, would you? Um, don't be afraid. So what I'd love is just your name. Tell us uh, where you're serving this next year. Sweet. My name is Steve and I serve with Breakaway High School. My name is Jason. I serve with the production team doing the Facebook Live broadcast. Reagan with Breakaway Junior High. And TJ, I serve with Breakaway Junior High. I'm uh, Colton. I serve with the First Impressions and Life and Safety teams. I'm Josue. I serve right here and on the other side in Breakaway, too. In yeah. worship. My name is Rachel, and I serve down in Illuminate. Awesome. Hey, give them a hand, would you guys? Go to work. Oh, I'm excited. They don't even know what they're getting themselves into. Um, it's going to be tons of fun to have them with us. And so um, if you're here today and you're like, hey, that, that is something that, that maybe the, the next cohort of volunteer staff, maybe I'd like to be a part of that. Um, just write down volunteer staff on your card and we can get you some more information about what that means to step into that. Um, if you talk to those people, what you're going to find is that this is really their heart. Because some of you are like, why would anybody do that? right? Why would anybody say, like, I'm going to be available, um, you know, late into the evening and early in the morning. I want to be around more. I want to be supporting things. And, and these people have uh, lots of responsibilities anyway. Like, what would cause them to do this? And if you ask any of them, what you're going to find is that when they serve, something inside of them comes alive. That when they serve, when they are part of the ministry that's happening, they see the kingdom of God advancing, there's something inside of them that gets excited, that just comes alive. It's not simply about meeting needs. You know, this isn't about um, getting more volunteers. And, and, and my fear in this series has been that uh, some of you are going to see this like an infomercial. Uh, like you're like, man, Brian is really struggling to get people to serve at ACF. He had to preach four weeks to try to get the volunteers that he needs for the staff and, or for the, the, the ministry in the fall. What you need to know is that's just not the case. Um, many of you have stepped up. Our teams are filling up. What we're doing now is creating new opportunities for you to step into uh, the calling that God has laid on your life. And because we really believe that when you do that, the church will thrive. That it really thrives, not on just the staff or the volunteer staff, but on everybody stepping into to God's gifting that he's placed within your life. So we want to help you find that and help you grow in that. Um, these, these volunteers, volunteer staff, um, they love what they do. And, and something in them uh, is just it comes alive when they, they, they serve. But what you need to know, and I want you to write this down just as a baseline as we start off, is that God doesn't need your service. God doesn't need my service. God doesn't need our service. And, and I want to read this passage in Acts chapter 17. I think it speaks perfectly to this. It says in verse 24, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life 
and breath and everything. Now, just as a baseline for this conversation, I think we need to start off by recognizing who we are and who we're not. Uh, like, we are, we are God's hands and feet to the world. We say that God uses his church uh, to, to expand his kingdom in the world. We know that. And yet, the world already has a Messiah, and it's not us. And we need to understand that we are not the ones that are here to save the world. That is Jesus' job. We're just here to point people to Jesus, right? So, I mean, that's really important. And you might think, well, that's obvious, but it's not. Um, I think sometimes churches can start to think that they're sort of the savior to the community, and, and in fact, a, a year ago, we stepped into this, this journey of expanding our facility. And hopefully in the spring, we'll be breaking ground on uh, bumping out the back of this building. We're really excited about that. But the beginning of that conversation was this realization that, that Eagle River doesn't need us. That, that God doesn't need us. We need God and we need Eagle River. That's a, it's an important shift to make so that we know our place, that God is, I think, calling us into this opportunity. And yet, in the end, I think he wants to do just as much in us as he does through us, which is really cool. That in the end, this is all about a work that God is doing within us that will result in us serving and loving our city. Um, if you have a Bible, I want you to open up to Mark chapter 10. Um, if you don't, you can follow along on the screen behind me or download the ECF Church app. But we're going to kind of have a, another conversation. Uh, last week we were in Mark chapter 9. And, and this, this passage is going to seem really familiar. Um, as I was, uh, I was studying this this week, it, it's almost a mirror image of last week with, with some new little uh, pieces of wisdom that we're going to pull out. Uh, and here's the similarities. Basically, these guys, the disciples and Jesus, are walking into Jerusalem, walking into a city. And along the road, Jesus, as a good teacher, is teaching them these, these deep, deep truths about who they are and about who God is. And so as they walk down the road, uh, they encounter this, this rich young ruler. And, and you've maybe heard this story before where the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, uh, he says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, I want you to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And if you remember right, the rich guy gets really sad at the response of this rabbi because he's rich, right? And, and just as much in our culture as it was in theirs, money to them represents blessing. And so basically Jesus is, is reframing this man's view of what it means to be blessed. And he's like, hey, you think to be blessed means to have lots of cash in your bank account. But I say to be blessed is to serve your neighbor is to serve the poor and the needy. And as we said last week, when you serve the poor, you serve Jesus himself. It's like you're serving him. And so Jesus is, is reframing and reshaping this man's paradigm in the way that he sees the world. And then as they're walking down the road, we, we continue on and, and James and John come into the picture. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 35. It says, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Which we just have to stop there and appreciate the boldness, right? I love the way they go to the, they're like, oh, we're not going to tell you what we're going to ask, but we just want you to say yes. Can you say yes? Can you say yes? They keep going, they say, and they said to him, uh, what do you want for me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. What you need to understand once again is that these disciples thought Jesus was going to be the, the new uh, king of Israel, that Jesus was going to come over and take charge and overthrow Rome. And so uh, part of their motivation to follow Jesus was to gain power and to gain authority because they've seen people in power and authority and they're like, hey, I want that. I want that job. And we know that Jesus is going there. 
And so when they think of his glory, what they're speaking about is in his kingdom here on earth. Like, like when you're in charge, Jesus, when you're in control, can we sit in the chair to the right and the chair to the left and be in power with you, right? Because we all want a little more power, right? And then Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? It's a mouthful. And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. So there's a lot of interesting conversation going on about baptism and, and what, what is going on here. What, what Jesus and what these guys are talking about is essentially the lifestyle and the experiences that Jesus has experienced. Jesus is going to end up being crucified. He's going to end up being murdered for the sins of the world. When these guys think of the baptism of Jesus and all the things that he's been, been through, they want Jesus' glory. They want his power. They want to experience what Jesus is going to experience when he's king. And Jesus is like, oh, you're going to experience what I experience. Oh, yeah, you can drink of my cup and be baptized with my baptism. You're going to be uh, persecuted for your faith and, and marginalized and, and run out of cities. Like, you're going to struggle. So you want to drink of my cup? Yep, you're going to get it. Once again, they don't know what they're asking. And Jesus tells them that. You don't know what you're asking for. You think that it's one thing, and yet it's something really, really, really different. It says in verse 41, And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. So these guys have experienced this type of authority, this type of leadership where it's lorded over them. You ever been there? You're like, uh, yep, I have a boss like that who lords authority over me, right? Or I have, I have people around me who lord authority over me. So Jesus is like, you know that people who are in leadership are lording their authority over you. Verse 43, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave to all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus says, I know what you've experienced. And these guys are going, hey, we, we basically want to recirculate the leadership that we've experienced, which is what most of us do, Right? I don't know if you know this, but we tend to, to operate in the leadership style with which we've been led. And so if you've had authority lorded over you, people forcing you to do things and not being very good vision casters, but just saying, hey, here's what we do and, and just get to it, then there's going to be a tendency in, in, in your life and in mine to, to use that leadership towards others. And Jesus says, that will not be the case among my people. My people will actually forge the way of a new type of leadership in the world. A servant leadership, where to be great means to be the least, and to be first means to be last. It shall not be so. And then he brings up basically what he's here for. Jesus says, for even the Son of Man, that's me, he says, came not to be served, but to serve. So just to kind of get this in our heads and, and get thinking about this, this is kind of like crowd participation. Can we say this passage together? And I, I want you to, to speak the came not to, uh, to be served, but to serve. So I want you to say the be served and the served. So let's try this. For even the Son of Man came not to 
be served, but to serve. Let's do it again. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. So here's my question for you today. Why did you come? It's a good question, right? It's a question that digs at our motives. Um, why are you here today? Why are you at church? What brought you here? You know, why do you go to work every week? What is it that, that gets you to go where you go? Because in our, in our society, when people go places, they normally go there to get things, right? If you're like, hey, I'm going to the store, I'm assuming that you're not just like gonna go hang out in a lawn chair at the store, right? I just like to sit in the furniture, you know, and drive the employees crazy. No, you're there because you're going shopping. You're gonna get some groceries. You're there for a reason. You go to work, uh, maybe not because you love what you do, but you want a paycheck, right? You gotta get a paycheck. Want a paycheck, gotta go to work. And so for the most part, when we go places, we are there to get something. This question of why did you come, it digs at who we are. It digs out our, our, our choices and the reasoning behind every decision. And what if every moment of your day, every step that you make throughout the day, you were to ask yourself, why did I come? Why am I here? What is the purpose of me being in this place right now? And here's the thing. When we start off life, we start off being very selfish, right? I mean, I don't know if you've held a little infant baby lately, but um, they're pretty fragile. Um, we've had three kids, and each one of them, it's just when you hold, you're like, can, I don't even know what to do with this little thing, and, and, and they're going to trust me with this little human being, and they're, it's going to take like, you know, a year before they can do anything for themselves, and they're so fragile, which is different than other animals, right? Because I, I grew up on a farm, and I know that like we used to have, you know, cattle and they'd be given birth and you'd have the calf and the legs would be out and you'd like wrap a rope around the legs and hook it to a bumper of a truck and you'd like, this is graphic, I know, but this is farm people, you know what I'm talking about, right? And then like, here comes this calf and in five minutes it's jumping around and it's eating and it's like, it's taking care of itself. But humans, I mean, we are so needy when we're born. We stay that way a long time. And then at some point we learn to talk, Right? And some of our first words are these words, help me, give me, feed me, right? Like our words are, are all about get, taking care, because that's all we know how to do to this point. All we've learned to this point is the whole world is here for my service. Uh, you're all here for me. And then, and then you begin to speak, and so what do you do? You speak where you're at, which is, hey, you're all here for me. Can you help me out? Can you take care of me? Can you give things to me? So we kind of go from helpless to help me. And yet, few people move from there to, how can I help? Like, what can I do? How do I, how do I make this place better? And I, I made this statement last week, and I think it's true, that when the world thinks of the church, and they think of Christians gaining influence and power and money in the world, what they should think is that it's just going to get better for all of us. Because when Christians get those things, that, that influence, what they do is they think, how can I help? How can I use what God has given me to make the world better for you, to make your life better? That's just what we're here for because that's what Jesus came to do for us. And I'm learning this like as a dad, like one step at a time. I know like I'm super selfish and I'm just being honest with you. And, and, and I didn't realize how selfish I was till I got married, right married people? And then I didn't realize how selfish I was then until I started having kids. And I'm just, I am selfish. I mean, I, I'm really, <laughs> we picked the wrong church. Some of you new people are like, I'm, I'm going down the road. That, that's fine, that's fine. But I'm just being honest, I'm a selfish person. And yet, uh, there's this, this journey that I've been on. And so I mentioned I have kids. My daughter, Cadence, she's 10 years old. 
And she started to get a little interested in daddy's things, things that daddy's are daddy's interested in. And, uh, and I love to hunt. Any hunters in the room? Any of you? A few hunters? A few successful hunters? I've already heard some caribou stories uh, this morning because many of you are out hunting. And, and then tis the season in Alaska for hunting. And so my daughter Cadence was like, hey, dad, would you take me out hunting? And so can I just like shamelessly brag on my daughter for a minute? Are you guys down with that? So I'm going to do it anyway. So you don't have any choice. I'm just going to shamelessly brag on my daughter because I was, this was a, a super proud moment. Once again, up until this point, uh, the idea of hunting with my dad, it's always been about me. He'd take me out to the woods and he'd set me up and he'd give me the rifle and he'd like make sure I'm warm and I'd basically, you know, have to pick up the gun and shoot. And everything else was done by my dad. And I just remember as a kid seeing him get so excited when I would be successful in a hunt. And, you know, I'd have this animal on the ground and he'd be like, woo! And I'd be like, yeah, uh, it's going to be gross in a couple minutes. Like, I don't really want to, I don't know what to do, but it was kind of cool. But I never understood why he was so excited. So I took my daughter out on her first bear hunt and uh, there'd been this little black bear in the area. And so I was like, oh, this would be a great first hunt for her. We'll go get her a good black bear and it'll be really cool. And so we're sitting up in the tree stand and instead of a little black bear, out comes this beautiful grizzly bear, this beautiful brown bear. And so I'm thinking as a dad, I'm going to steal her gun and we're going to kill, I'm going to kill it because I haven't shot a brown bear yet, right? And so like she pulls the rifle up and she takes the shot. And I'm telling you what, guys, I have not had an adrenaline rush like that I think in my entire life. I, I'm just telling you, I was so excited. The energy was up, the adrenaline was up, and, and she took the shot. She was successful. Let's see the picture. I'll share it with you. So there's my daughter. Yeah, she did pretty good for herself. She's totally ruined. It's the first thing she's ever shot in her life. Most kids start with like squirrels and ptarmigan. She goes and kills it. Anyway, take that off the screen just to, I want to ease the jealousy on many of your hearts, like 10-year-old girl shot. Anyway, the excitement that I felt in that moment was, it was shocking to me. Like I, I was, I was just thinking back on this whole thing and um, feeling gratitude that, that I could have that experience with my daughter. But I was going, man, why, why was I so excited? I mean, I have never been that excited for myself. Only when I watched my daughter succeed at something that I had trained her in, and taken care of her in, and, and, and set her up to do, was I that excited? And I honestly believe, church, that you can be that way about other people in your life. Uh, and maybe the excitement and the adrenaline rush that you're missing is coming from only seeing success in your life as your success instead of success of others. And, and maybe what, like, what if you watched other people grow up in their faith and you watch them go out and, and lead ministries and lead churches and go off to make a difference in this world and you knew that you were part of their life? As parents, certainly we know this, right? We know that like, I'm not a successful parent unless my kids succeed, you know, to one degree or another. And I know we, we don't have control over the decisions our kids make, but I do have control over how I parent them. And I do have control over what I choose to invest into their life. I can invest a lot or, or I can invest nothing. I can be totally absent. And I, I would just be honest with you and say, in many ways, the church is absent to the world. We've been absent. The, the church needs, uh, the, the world needs a church who's willing to say, we're here to help. We're here to, 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 to walk you through these, these deep questions that we're not going to give you these pat answers to deep, difficult questions questions in your life. We're, we're going to wrestle it out together. You know, we're not going to ignore your doubts or act like you shouldn't have doubts. We're going to acknowledge that we all have doubts. 
We're going to walk through this with you. And and what if that's the excitement and the joy and the passion that that you're missing in your life is that you would pour that into others. I know for me in this moment, I was just so convicted that this is what I'm here for. I'm not here for me. I'm here for the success of others. And, And one of the reasons I think that we don't do this, we don't go and help people and meet needs is because we're all sort of triaging our life, right? Like we're coming into the fall and it's already too busy in my world. Anybody else feeling really busy? Like it's just getting nuts? Okay, so many of you are already feeling like, man, I need the fifth cup of coffee this Sunday morning. I'm thinking about Monday morning. Uh, Kids are starting school. I'm starting school. There's just a lot coming at you. So the tendency is going to be that if you're sort of triaging needs, if you're you're going, okay, they have needs, this person has needs, and I have needs, in the end, who's going to probably win? You, right? I, that's how it is with me. If I, because here's the thing. I, nobody is as intrinsically aware of my needs as I am. And so when I compare what I need to what you need, I'm always going to win. Because guess what? I'm really busy. I've got a lot going on. But I think to have this sort of triage mentality when it comes to things isn't helpful. I, I don't think that's the point. I, I think the point isn't so much whose needs are greater. It, it's coming to the point and saying, you know what? I'm going to make you more important than me. I'm going I'm to say that in the end, my life will be better and your life will be better if I'm here to serve you. So it's not about like, it's not about comparing our needs. It's not going, well, you know, how much do you need? How much do I need? Because we're going to experience this at Impact Eagle River here in October. We're going to go out into our city and be serving our community. And this is going to be hard for some of you because some of you are going to like rake yards for people who have a way nicer yard than you do, right? And you're going to be out like changing oil for somebody with a really sweet beamer, and you're going to be like, how did they get a beamer? And why am I changing? This, this is not the point. You see, Jesus didn't just come to serve the, the, the needy and the, uh, the, the broken, of like physically needy, physically broken. He came to serve the world. I mean, he, he impacted the lives of people who were rich, who had lots of influence, had lots of friends. Because guess what? People with the beamer and people with the broken pickup truck both need Jesus, right? And so we don't really care. We're just here to serve. And so there's, it's interesting as, as I was thinking about this, that a word that's really uh, popular in our society today, and it's bringing up a lot of conversation, is the word equality, right? So equality, which is an important thing. It's something that our country was built on and founded on, this idea that all men are created equal. And this, this feeling, which I think is a, is, a, is a feeling that comes from God himself, that we all bear the image of God, which means that we all are created with intrinsic value, no matter where you come from or what. So I think that's a beautiful thing. I think it's, it's in many ways a really good thing to fight for. But I want you to know this. The kingdom of God is not about equality. It's about servanthood. It's not about going, okay, you know, did you get your needs met? Did I get my needs met? You know, like make sure that we're all equal. No, it's about coming and serving someone else selflessly. Because that's what Jesus does, right? I mean, he, he shows up and, and he serves sacrificially. That's how you know you're getting this, is when you begin to serve, not going, oh, I'm keeping track of how much I did for you, how much you do for me, making sure everything's equal. No, Jesus shows up and serves sacrificially. And yet we struggle with that so many times. The kingdom of God is not about equality. It's about servanthood. It's about making ourselves less. And Jesus is a beautiful example of this, isn't he? He's a beautiful example of this. Isaiah 53, I just want to read this passage and many times this is read around Easter, um, but it's, it's very true and very helpful for us today to consider who Jesus was. This is Isaiah 53, verse 2. It says, For he grew up before him 
like a young plant. And like a root out of dry ground, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. And we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Amen. Yeah, that's, you can clap for that. That's truth. So th- this is Jesus. This is God incarnate that does this that becomes a man of sorrows. So if you have a pen, write this down. Jesus deserves service, but he came to serve. Now, I don't know if you've ever like met somebody or, uh, you know, of a higher rank than you or higher office than you or whatever, and they come in the room and you think, you know, this person, they deserve for me to serve them. But nobody ever deserves service more than Jesus did, right? I mean, he's God himself in the flesh. Nobody deserved it as much as Jesus, yet he shows up to the world and he came to serve, right? So we're gonna do this again. Let's do this out loud. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Why are you here? Why was Jesus here? If you were to boil everything down, if you're like, what, what was Jesus about? Why did, he, why did he come to the world? He came to serve. That's his one thing, the one driving force. And, and it's, it's what makes Christianity so beautiful. It, it's what makes it so different than every other religion where, you know, you're hoping to do enough and be enough that, that maybe at the end, if you've got no guarantee, maybe at the end this God, whoever he is, will let you into this eternity. And, and yet in, in this idea of Christianity and following Jesus, we say this all the time, we're not working for the love of God, but from the love of God. We're not serving for the love of God, but from the love of God. We're not giving for the love of God. We're giving from the love of God. It comes from our hearts. This verse in Philippians 2 speaks perfectly about what Jesus did. It says in verse 4, Let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, listen to this, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's our king. The servant king who comes to the world and gives of himself takes on the form of a servant, deserves service, but came to serve, emptied himself to become nothing, taking on the form of a servant, born in the likeness of broken, frail humanity. That is our God. Is that not more beautiful than anything you've ever heard in any other religion, in any other belief system? I mean, it's, it does not get any better than that. You're not the sacrifice. Jesus says, I'll be the sacrifice. And that's beautiful. And then you realize that once it gets in your soul and you're like, wait, 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 I just, I just have to receive that. Once you receive that, it, it just flows from your life. And you can write this down. You can't serve like Jesus until you're served by Jesus. I don't know that what the church needs is just more people to, 
volunteer for things. Now, maybe you will, and maybe there's more people who will serve in different ways. I don't think that's what we need. What we need is a changed heart. What I think the church is missing today is being fully served by Jesus. Like, I, I think we, we don't have a giving problem. We have a receiving problem. And when we receive from Jesus, we start to give. We start to serve. And, and, it, and it becomes less of this game of who gets what and are we equal and more of an opportunity to make yourself nothing just like Jesus did for you. We were, um, we were away at the beginning of the week. A, a few of our staff went out on a uh, retreat to kind of plan out what we're teaching on for the next year. We're, we're, it's awesome. We're planning out way in advance for what's to come. And when I got home, um, I opened the door, and you parents have maybe walked into something similar before. Were you, you know when you open the house, you open the door to the house, and you walk in, and you're just like, something's wrong. Things did not go well today. You know, it's almost like, you know, like tasted in the air. Like something's not right. There's like a child whimpering in the corner and things are sort of a mess and there's toys everywhere and there's kind of stomping around and like, what, what did I walk into here? So I go walking upstairs and, and uh, there's my little boy, Grayson. He's sitting on his bed and he's, he's like folding his hands, and, which is code for I'm in trouble. And he's smiling. He's always smiling when he's in trouble. So he's like sitting there and smiling on his bed, you know, sitting cro- cross-legged on his bed. And I walk in and there's Amanda and she's just like, I'm so done. You ever been there, moms? I'm so done. I'm so done. And she goes, I've got nothing left to give. And she like picks up one of his toys and puts it in the closet. She's like, I've got nothing left to give. And she picks up another toy. I'm like, just stop. You just have to stop. And it was interesting. I was thinking about that and how we all get to that point where we've got nothing left to give. We all get to that point where we realize, man, I have nothing to offer. And I would propose to you that that is the beginning of a heart that's prepared for true salvation. Is when you realize that you have nothing left to give. You have nothing to offer. And and for a lot of people, that's how you feel before you're ready to receive from Jesus. Is manic and crazy and angry and overwhelmed and frustrated and life seems heavy and church seems heavy and ministry seems heavy and your kids seem heavy and at some point you just slow down. And I just want for you, uh, this entire church, as we step into the fall, for you to just stop and pause and receive from Jesus today. Because I, I really believe that this is what is missing. I think that's why the church does not serve like it's intended to church, uh, intended to serve, is because we haven't received fully from Jesus. First uh, John 4, 7 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. But listen to this in verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is, what? Love. That's pretty shocking, isn't it? I love that John's getting to the heart of love, the heart of service, the heart of anyone who would make themselves nothing. And you see, you start with Jesus. Why did Jesus come to serve humanity? Why did he serve humanity? Because he loved us. He was the first one to love us. Even when we rejected him and despised him, as we read, he loved us. So that's why he came and he served. So our goal as a church and my goal as a teacher is not to just get you to go sign up for something. I want you to receive love from God today. And when you just open your hands and you realize I've just got nothing to give and you fully receive it, I think it transforms your heart in such a way that you start to love people that are really unlovable. 
And you start to serve people who have needs that are, that are, that are just great. And, and, and then you even start pe- serving people who have needs that are, that, that are less than yours. You, you know how needy you are, but you start to lean in. And so what you need to hear today is not a heavy, burdensome, you know, talk where you're like, Brian's trying to get me to do more. No, draw boundaries in your life. Know what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. And I think that the key to knowing those things is receiving love from Jesus today. Because when you love him, you will love others. And anyone who does not love does not know God because God himself is love. And you're like, Brian, don't tell me that. I know God. I know Bible verses. I know I'm at church. I know that, you know, I try to do the right thing. You know, I try to raise my family well. I try to be a moral person. I try to be better than my friends are. So, I mean, don't tell me that I don't love God. But listen, John says, if you don't love others, you just don't love God. Because those who have received love from God will begin to love others. And and this is a journey, folks, I know. Because you're thinking of somebody that's like really unlovable. But that's the process, right? Is, is that you need to receive something that you might give something to that person. And if you're here today and you're like, I've got nothing left to give, it's probably because you have not received from God lately. And so what if we, as we stepped into this really busy season as a church, we stopped and we're just like, I want to I receive from God. I want to take from God so that I can give to others. Luke 6.39, Jesus tells a parable. It says, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So my last thing for you is this. You are most like Jesus when you serve. You might have a lot of things in your mind when you're thinking like, how do I act like Jesus in this world? What does it look like for people to see Jesus in my life? And I will tell you that you are never more like Jesus than when you serve someone else when you are focused more on their success than your own, when you choose the back of the line to let others get to the front of the line, that is when you are most like Jesus. And what he's saying here is that, he says a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he's fully trained will be like his teacher. You're not above Jesus. And some of us, here's the thing in our minds is that, you know, we don't have to serve. And what we don't realize is that when we don't lean in and serve others, it's almost like I'm saying I'm better than Jesus. I'm above my teacher. And here's the, here's the wicked twist in that, is that it's the exact opposite. By not serving, it's choosing not to be great. Because the greatest of all people are those who will be servants to humanity. So it's such a twisted perspective. But when we choose to serve, we will see what it's truly like to experience Jesus. Would you stand up? I want to read one last, last passage for you. Hebrews 10, 24 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And that's why we brought these people up earlier, these volunteer staff. That's why, you know, we want you to know who's who's leading and serving in many ways so that you'll be stirred up. I mean, I want to be stirred up, don't you? That you might be stirred up to serve and to love and to honor people better. And so that's that's our heart, is that when you see people serving today, that you'd receive from them. And you'd be okay with receiving. Some of you are terrible receivers, right? You don't like it when people are serving you. Sometimes you just need to be served, and that's okay. Somebody came up to me last week. They're, they were like, Brian, I'm really trying to find a place to, to serve. I need to, need to plug in at ACF Church. I need to find my ministry. I'm like, how long have you been coming? He's like, two weeks. It's like, relax, bro. Like, just come to church. Just, it's okay. Find a place. Ease into that. But understand that at some point, the love of the Father 
will result in a love for others. And so I just want you to receive that today. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray for us. We'll move on. Father, I pray for this community. Um, I want to confess in my heart, as I said earlier, God, that I am selfish. And that um, even in my service, my motivations can be twisted. I do things to get things. And I have myself in mind in the end. God, I just want to lay that at your feet today and acknowledge that. God, and I know that you have better things for me, you have better things for your church, that the community of God was never meant to be sidelined to the side of the, the community, God, but, but should be the center of the community as people see the church stepping out in service like you served us. People would recognize, not ACF church, but they'd recognize the gospel for what it is. And they'd, be, they'd receive from us. So God, I know that today and tomorrow the rest of this week, we're going to have little moments where we will have to choose whether or not we will, will respond in love, will respond in service, or we will place ourselves at the top of the list. So God, first and foremost, could we receive today? I pray for the person here today who spent a lot of time doing religious things. Um, the person here today who's just hoping to be good enough to, to make it into heaven, God, that maybe today would be the day that they look to you, open their hands, and say, I've got nothing left to give. And God, I'm so grateful today that what we cannot give, you can. What we don't have to offer, you do have to offer. God, you sent it all in the form of Jesus, who made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant. He did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, God. He, he decided to make himself nothing. So God, maybe we'd be those people in our society that people would see us not keeping track, but just willing to serve and to lean in. So God, I pray that we could receive fresh today so that we might love others the way you loved us first. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, love you guys, thanks.